Hello and welcome to the Worst Movies We Own podcast. This is my wife Natalie and my name is Bobby and this week we are covering Suicide Squad. From what year? 2016. Natalie, tell the people at home what the Worst Movies We Own podcast is all about. Well, Bobby and I are a married couple. We Mm -hmm. watch a lot of films together and we own a lot of DVDs. Um, So our idea is that we're going to watch the worst DVDs we own according to the average rate in each one's received on Letterboxd. Um, We're hoping that some of these really low-rated films will actually surprise us and be quite good. So we're watching each one with an open mind, even the ones we've seen before, hoping for the best. Um, Just to say that we've not bought any of the DVDs specifically for this podcast. It is um, just ones that we've accrued over the years from being included in box sets that we've bought, sequels to things, and just general charity shop finds uh, that people just don't rate. Yep, brilliant stuff. We weren't supposed to be covering Suicide Squad this week, were we? No, we weren't. What happened? We were supposed to be doing striptease, Demi Moore's Carl Hyacin adaptation with Burt Reynolds and lots of nudity. But my dad took it. Your dad borrowed it, didn't he? Yeah. And uh, we don't have it in the vicinity of the house. I don't know if we're getting that back. We're not getting that back. <laughs> well, we're going to have to re-borrow it from Les yeah. and reacquire our copy. But obviously Striptease is on pause until we get that episode. But maybe we'll uh, release it earlier if we do manage to record it before now and then. Yeah. Lovely stuff. So we, we end up watching Suicide Squad, which is next on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, probably one of the more recent films we're going to cover in the near future. Yeah, I thought it was a lot more recent than it actually was. I felt like I'd seen it just last year, but yeah. clearly not. 2016. 2016, Suicide Squad. Natalie, mm-hmm. anything you'd like to get off your chest? Well, do you know, I, I remember going to see this and I remember being disappointed. And that was all I remembered about it. I kind of walked out of the cinema with a, with a sense of disappointment and pretty much straight away forgot the plot. Um, and I wasn't really looking forward to watching it again. Though I had always had it in the back of my mind that I was going to give it another try. So this has kind of brought that opportunity about. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't suddenly love it. I didn't change my opinion completely about it. I didn't really change my opinion that much about it. But I enjoyed it more than I expected to. I found things in it that I liked that I think I missed last time because my expectations were so high. I was so excited having seen the trailer, being DC, having those characters in it. I was really looking forward to it. So I think I came to it with too much expectation. This time I came to it with no expectations because I remembered it not being great. And I think I found some some good stuff in there. Yeah. Um, I mean, when this was released in the summer of 2016, it, it was the big blockbuster of that summer. Uh, both in terms of takings, I'm sure there's a film that made more money than it during the summer, but it was certainly the film that seemed to have the zeitgeist of the year that summer in terms of the poster campaign was everywhere. Yeah. We went into a shop, it was selling Suicide Squad merchandise, mm-hmm. and this was very much Margot Robbie's big show, her big lead turn in the film, yeah. uh, and, it, and it made proper dollar, more than people expected. Mm-hmm. Um, the film itself... Is I don't know if it's a troubled production as such, but it's certainly a compromised production, which often happens with DC's big releases. They make a film, they put a creative in charge of it, whether you like that person or not. Yeah. Uh, and then by the time about the trailer comes out, they suddenly start making last minute changes, whether it be bringing in a new director, bringing in a different editor in this case that kind of warps the film a little bit mm. and makes you wonder what it looked like originally, whether it was a better film rather than a muddled film. And this is a muddled film. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. There's lots that's good about it. 
there's lots that's average about it. Mm-hmm. There's a few things that are bad about yeah. it. Um, but when you watch it, you sit there trying to unpick the jigsaw pieces to what was originally intended in the script, what was added later on, mm-hmm. what probably would have worked if it was given a little bit more room to breathe, what probably should have been cut out completely. Yeah. Um, so, like, for example, second build Jared Leto for Joker. Mm. Um, we're, I think we're going to talk about him quite a lot yeah, in this. Absolutely. Um it's quite a short, it's almost a cameo, really. It's four or five scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a 2016 film, I think it's fair to say, we're going to discuss spoilers of this and other DC Universe uh-huh. properties. So if you don't want these things ruined for you, maybe tune out and watch what you need to watch and come back to us another time. Yeah. Um, but I think it's certainly a film that, even though I didn't love it, I do like it. And even though the only reason we own it is it was 33 pence in a charity mm-hmm. shop as a new release. Someone in the charity shop didn't know what they had in their hands mm. at that point, And we, you know, mercilessly bought it for 33p. Mm. Um, it's a film, to be honest, if I was channel surfing in a hotel room and it was halfway through, I think I'd watch the rest of it. I'd think, oh yeah, let's finish that off and watch it. It's, um, it's just a solid blockbuster with good bits, problems, but certainly a very watchable summer movie. Yeah, it's, it doesn't deserve the the huge amount of criticism that it came in for, I yeah. think. I think, again, this is a case of people with prejudices against a certain franchise mm-hmm. or films with certainly less than stellar reputations just piling on and giving it a, the lowest score possible when uh, they haven't even seen the film or they don't really feel that way if they're being honest with themselves. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's do facts and figures. Okie dokie. Cool. Suicide Squad, 2016. Written and directed by David Ayer. He did a Training Day, Fury, Bright with Will Smith, the fairy tale buddy oh, yeah. thriller. Yeah. Uh, th- things like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, usually, oh, he did also did Sabotage with Arnie. Do you know the uh, Arnie film? It's like an Agatha Christie, 10 Little Indians. No. Where he, we went to the cinema. He's like a DEA death squad agent and they're trying to figure out who's killing them off among the group to find the money it's a film like this like pretty much every David Ayer's film that on paper in trailer looks like the best film ever Mm -hmm. but in actual sitting down and watching it you do feel a little bit restless and bored okay Um, starring and I am doing my billings rather than Mm -hmm. uh, the way it's built contractually (laughs) in in the credit sequence at the end Margot Robbie Mm -hmm. Will Smith Jai Courtney Joel Kinnaman Viola Davis Cara Delevingne Mm -hmm. Uh, Jared Leto, Ben Affleck, and Ezra Miller. There are lots of other actors in this film. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely packed. Yeah. Um, too busy with characters. But those are your main ones. Um, released on August 5th, 2016, with a budget of $175 million. Mm. It made, in America, $133.7 million in the first couple of days. So pretty much paid for itself in four days yeah. and then carried on surprisingly making money because the reviews weren't fantastic because um, DC had gone through a really troubled period where it seemed to be on a downward trend of not making as much money as people expected. Mm-hmm. Um, it made 700, $746.8 million around the world wow. and at that point was the only DCEU film to win an Oscar. DCEU? Detective Comics Extended Universe. Oh, right, okay, thank you. Yeah, you're, not, you're, you're more shocked that there's an, an acronym for that than you are that it won an Oscar. What did it win the Oscar for, sir? Hair and makeup. Oh, right, okay. 
Okay, fair enough. Yeah, no, 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 I maybe I did pick up on the wrong bit there. <laughs> <laughs> Your priorities are out of whack, lady. <laughs> um, and that's that. It would, like I say, um, reputation-wise, people don't see this as a successful film. And I, I'll be honest, I think over the last couple of years, knowing that, it's kind of... And knowing that we walked out to cinema thinking it was all right, mm. it's sort of slowly built as a disappointment in our heads. But sitting down, watching it on DVD just now... It was perfectly watchable. Yeah. Perfectly watchable. Let's discuss it in detail after the break. Okay, so I think probably before we go into our usual questions, the first thing we need to discuss is Margot Robbie. Yeah. Uh, because let's just get out of the way. This was... She was already pitched to be a big star, uh, but I think this broke her in terms of... Uh, she's at her absolute apex mm-hmm. of her career so far in yeah. this role. She steals the show in mm-hmm. the film... Uh, she stole the marketing campaign, even though she's third or fourth build in the credits. Yeah. It's very much her movie. Uh, she is absolutely gorgeous in a bad girl way in it. Mm-hmm. She's lots of fun. Um, they've had sequels and spin-offs of her since. Well, that's it. The, the, there's a reason why the sequel to Suicide Squad is a Harley Quinn film. Yeah. I mean, almost the problem, it shows you how messy Warner Brothers are in their thinking about how to handle these DC properties is... The second Suicide Squad was a hit and they knew Margot Robbie was a big part of that. They put five different projects involving her into development, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Just give us one good one. Birds of Prey was good. Yeah, yeah, Better, it than, better than this. Oh, it is, yeah. Uh, it's uh, a film marketed more towards uh, young women mm-hmm. than maybe all four quadrants. But if you're open-minded, I think everyone can get a lot of enjoyment out of the zany, mad, cut, messy fun that is... Birds of Prey. I really enjoyed Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey is uh, a Monday Hudson Hawk mm-hmm. or Last Action Hero, which isn't beloved right now, but I get the feeling in 20 years' time it'll be a lot of people's secret favourite mm-hmm. of all these superhero films. Yeah. Um, what did you think about Robbie? Oh, yeah. I, she was the one thing that I did sort of have pockets of memory of from watching it the first time round, and I knew that I enjoyed her performance and that I would enjoy it again. Um, I... I, 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 the only issue I had with the character of Harley Quinn was that you get a lot of her story. You get more of Harley Quinn's story than you do any of the other of the Suicide Squad yeah. characters. But the origin story, and it takes that opportunity to give her an origin story, is a little bit muddled and a mm-hmm. bit confused. She doesn't really come across that well through it. These are solution, These are things that are fixed in Birds of Prey, I think. Um, but... It, you know, there there are certain issues there. But when she's being Harley Quinn, when she's on her own, or when she's part of the ensemble, um, all the best lines are hers. She delivers them really well, and she does. She looks amazing. Her costumes, the makeup, the hair, everything works so well. Um, Is there any chance I can get you to dress up like Harley Quinn in uh, Suicide Squad? If I could fit one leg into those shorts, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, brilliant stuff. What did you like about Suicide Squad? Well, I th- there are quite a few things that I liked. I would say that, and I'll go through them. Each one's got a kind of a caveat, which is going to make it sound like I'm dumping on it, but I'm not. Okay, I'm well, just... if the caveat's bigger than the positive, save it for the next question. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, Harley Quinn, we've already talked about, but there are other characters that I like. I really like the El Diablo character. Yeah played by Jay Hernandez mm-hmm. um he's he's like a gang member like a Los Angeles gang member mm-hmm. with all the tattoos and everything but he can also 
Like he, he doesn't have much control over it, but he creates fire. Mm-hmm. But um, you you quite like a uh, Hispanic gang member as one of your kind of uh, key looks and a man. You like Michael Mando I in do. Uh, Better Call Saul. Yeah. And, and the guy from Good Girls as well. Yeah. I can't yeah, remember, I can't remember his name. He's either. like my commando as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's a good look. Yeah. On that. yeah. <laughs> Anywhere I can get you to tattoo your entire face and body. You get me the pen and the needle, we will get prison ink in. Okay. Um, he gets a fair bit of screen time, but it's all later on in the film, and he becomes a really, really key character as well later on in the film. Yeah. There are hints early on that he's important, and when, whenever he's there in the, in the background, you kind of notice him and he is more prominent than the other ones mm-hmm. despite not having very many lines early on um i do kind of wish and this is my caveat i wish that there was a greater focus on him earlier on in the film rather yeah. than giving all the attention to harley quinn and another character that i did really like i'm gonna say his name wrong it's dead ball dead balls dead balls dead balls no dead dead shot shot okay right it's difficult because there's dead pools and yeah. there's death strokes and there's dead shots. Right. Dead <laughs> shot. That's his name. That is his name. Right. Okay. Played by Will Smith. Uh, the Fresh Prince himself. Yeah. Um, did you get jiggy with it? Did he? Did you? I, I got jiggy with it yeah. at the start. Because he was like the opposite with, of, of El Diablo. Like mm. his, his, the way his character's introduced and he's introduced first, he's, um, he's really cool. He, he is Will Smith. So yeah. he's... he's He's got that kind of like lovely rhythm of speech, and he's he he comes across. You know, he looks great. Uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot of good actors in this. There's a lot of wannabe stars in this. Mm-hmm. Will Smith is the only bona fide person who's opened ten blockbusters. Yeah, <laughs> and, which is uh, why he opens this film. And I, I think maybe personally, it would have been a better idea for this to be an and Will Smith. Because even though he's mm. ostensibly the lead, the anti-hero, the guy doesn't want to be there, but is the most accomplished and heroic, really, yeah. out of all the criminals and uh, soldiers brought in to take on the threat. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would have been, it's the kind of Lee Marvin role, or mm-hmm. the uh, Richard Crenna role, mm-hmm. or, you know, he's he should be the guy that maybe has uh, end of second act death, heroic, heroic, yeah. yeah. or, you know, lets the other guys get get on and do their thing rather carrying on being the hero. I also don't think he's massively, even though he's really comfortable whenever he's um, being a human being in it, mm-hmm. I don't think he's massively comfortable in the costume. He mm. seems far happier dressing as a pimp in one scene yeah, than he does ever wearing his mask of the iconic character of... He's a C-list character in DC, but yeah. Deadshot's got a mask and a disguise so he's never really known who he is. Right. And that mask goes on twice, I think. Yeah, it was it was rare. It was, it was less less actual costume time than probably Judge Dredd in the Sylvester Stallone Judge Dredd. Okay. Which is famous, infamous for Judge Dredd never takes off his mask, and yet in the Sloan film he gets rid of it after about two minutes, and we never see it again. Oh right, okay. Oh, Sly probably didn't like wearing it. Oh, exactly. That. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whereas Carl Urban, when he played Dredd, mask on the entire fucking time because he's an absolute proper yeah action star. Um, another thing that I really liked about this is the music i thought it's it's got so many good songs in it um and especially the beginning like you get hit 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 like as you're introducing the characters mm-hmm. however here's my caveat i do i did worry a few times or i did wonder a few times whether having such good songs in it did kind of distract you a bit from the fact that the plot wasn't great mm. um at the same kind of times that the music was really good uh you know that kind of thing where 
you listen to a song you really like so you think you're having fun but yeah. you're not actually having fun well if anything then they've done their job because i'll let into a little bit of the backstory about uh the dominating soundtrack mm. um is the film wasn't originally edited that way uh, but then after the success of the first trailer, which had like three or four big hits, mm-hmm. it was um, edited by people called Trailer Park, who make trailers for blockbusters. Yeah. Uh, and Warner Brothers was so happy with the reaction of that trailer, it got twice as many views in three days as Batman vs Superman's trailer it did on YouTube. Right. During its entire life. Okay. Um, that they decided to let these guys, these people who make trailers, two-minute teasers of a film, mm. re-edit the whole film. And give it that flavour and style. So they kind of took the project away from writer-director David Ayers, a very established director in Hollywood, uh, and give it to these trailer guys. So the, uh, And I assume in the main what got added to the film was lots of background music from big hits of the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally think the music they pick most of the time is very much on the nose. Surprising, unsurprisingly, it's often films that have been in other trailers or other films, right. which I'm not always a massive fan of. And when it's consistently being used elsewhere in a very iconic scene. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether that's particularly healthy for a film or just makes it feel a little bit unoriginal, yeah. like it's standing on the shoulders of giants. Um, but I do have a question about it. Mm-hmm. Um, could you see Suicide Squad being made into one of those jukebox musicals on uh, the West End or Broadway? Oh, yeah, that could work really well. Because you've got so many, so many big songs there, get the licensing rights for 12 of them, yeah. get it on Broadway... And all singing, all dancing, Killer Croc uh, and Chantress. <laughs> I would probably go and see that. You'd probably go see Suicide yeah, Squad the musical. I think I would. Because another thing I really liked about it was was the the colour scheme. And that would work well in a musical, yeah. that day glow. It's kind of like a chemical spill, but in the most beautiful rainbowy kind of way. Yeah. Mm. Um, and something that I don't normally like in films, but I don't mind it so much in something like this, because it's a comic book film, where you get kind of... Um, a bio of a character pop up. Almost like their top trumps, top trump stats. Yeah, I I wouldn't normally like that, but here because it kind of perpetuates that color scheme, mm-hmm. and you know it's a trashy film anyway. It doesn't really matter. I I, I quite like that as well. Yeah, it's I a like very, the way the characters are introduced. Yeah, it's um, a very well uh, merchandise synergized film mm-hmm. in that. Every character gets two or three big introductions of this is who this is, and if you went out and got popcorn or gone to the loo early, here's another introduction of that person again. Yeah. And if you're not quite sure, here's another introduction again with their name on screen. And don't worry, if you didn't read the name on screen, they'll be wearing their name somewhere on their costume mm-hmm. for the rest of the film. So you're completely sure who's who, even if they're played by one of the biggest stars in Hollywood history. Yeah. Um, but- Possibly by the time the third time we go around introducing the characters, which felt like maybe one of the more organic original scenes in the uh, Pentagon briefing mm-hmm. room. Um, I don't think it was completely necessary, maybe a little bit of a waste of time. I checked the time of one scene, which was when we were introduced to the twentieth of these badass, you've got to know who this is, they've got their own look, they've got their own code yeah. characters. That was forty five minutes into the film, and by that point we still hadn't had an action sequence. The plot hadn't moved massively forward. We were still just mm. meeting people after 45 minutes. And I'd probably say there should have been a point where some of those scenes were taken out, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's not just the characters who get reintroduced. Even the plot is recapped. They kind of have to, times. because the plot's very much skimmed over a lot of the time. Yeah. So that it's only the second or third time they mention something. Going, oh, that's actually important. We're supposed to have paid attention to that. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things, I suppose, that was done in the tidy-up um, afterwards. I don't think it's a tidy-up, I think it's a mess-up, <laughs> if anything. <laughs> it's like, let's just try and make it look cooler, 
and it will maybe obscure some of the weaker storytelling choices. Yeah, I th I think there's too much as um, there's too much of an issue these days with trying to give people what they want as well, though, and that's how you end up with things looking slightly messy afterwards. It's it's kind of pandering. If I said to you, there's a film, uh, and there's an hour and a half of relatively normal film, but there's forty minutes of trailer at the beginning for the mm -hmm. film you're about to watch, mm -hmm. would you have bought a ticket for that film? Well, no. No, because it's 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 bad storytelling. Yeah. It's bad movie making. Yeah. But I think, I still think it's worse to make a film that's paint by numbers, that, that starts out from the very outset as being, let's make something that we know our target audience are all going to like because mm -hmm. it's so inoffensive and it gives them what they want, than to make a film that does have a bit of integrity and then backpedal and change things. I think the latter, at least, there was some integrity at some point, whereas with certain other films... You, you're talking about Marvel. Yeah, I'm talking about Marvel, yeah. A, a franchise that people around the world know and like and keep buying tickets for. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm going to keep it's, complaining about it. It's too it. neat and clean. It's it too neat you? and clean, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd rather watch a film that is a bit of a mess, <laughs> but has got a bit of substance to it, and there have been creative choices made for the sake of, you know, the style of it or it's someone's vision yeah. than to go and watch a film that is just just completely synthetic well I mean I think DC has suffered from since their last big major reboot post The Dark Knight of mm. um, they put Zack Snyder in charge like David Ayer someone who gives a lot better trailer than the film usually mm. and his Superman was not not really um praised the world over of a man who still holds up as quite a good watch yeah. i'd say but then he made batman versus superman mm -hmm. a very dark film a very hard-edged film very loyal to the comics film but a very busy film mm -hmm. and that was derided didn't make quite as much money as they expected um it's coming up in this podcast soon so we won't go into too much detail but i actually think it's the only superhero film i've seen recently that has a completely consistent vision throughout mm -hmm. maybe shazam's the only other one that, um, that you watch it and go, that's a movie in its own right, it stands alone, uh, and it's trying to tell a bigger story than a chapter in a franchise. Yeah. Um, I really like Batman vs Superman, and I'll take my top off and fight anyone in the street who says otherwise. <laughs> not that they think it's a good or bad film, but I'm not allowed to like it. Yeah. Because I think it's great. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Um, since then, DC's always kind of felt a little bit on the back foot, that they've, they're constantly trying to adjust and find its course again as a ship and never really found it and Wonder what Woman, about Wonder Woman? Well, yeah, exactly Wonder Woman's worked really well um, but they haven't tried to make every other film like Wonder Woman which I think is to their credit but mm -hmm. equally they've done things like replace directors or brought other directors in to finish films mm. pretty much consistently away from Shazam and Wonder Woman and the Harley Quinn films have suffered from this twice now is what I'd say right um, right anything else you liked? Um, I'm sure other things will crop up as we talk about things I disliked, because I'll have caveats. <laughs> oh, well then, what didn't you like? What didn't I like? Um, the... Can I just say, Natalie's opening her notebook now, and Suicide <laughs> Squad is a two-hour film, and I think she's written a dissertation on it. She wrote so many notes to it, more so than any other film we covered, more so than Supergirl itself. I know, that's not a good thing. It was, it was because I kept getting confused, okay. and I felt like I had to start writing things down, otherwise I was going to lose my way sure well what, um, what's one of those things 
Okay, we've we've touched on it a little bit that you get kind of the characters introduced several times. You also get the idea of the film introduced a few times at the beginning because Viola Davis is um, this innovative politician who's come up with an idea mm. of using, like the Dirty Dozen, bad guys, yeah. to uh, do the dirty work. Um, and it's set in the post-Superman... Uh, post-Superman's death world. Yeah. Um, so there's no Superman, there's still a Batman, he's in it. Lovely Ben Affleck. You get yeah. a, a few shots of the lower half of Ben Affleck's face. Oh, that was a like. Yeah, I get a feeling... I get the feeling Ben Affleck being in it is a like. His lower face, yeah. Yeah, but uh, Ben Affleck's chin is a like. Mm. Yeah, I, can I can I comment on something I really don't like about Ben Affleck being in the film? Yeah. Um, don't give me that look. It's nothing to do with Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. Love the Affleck. Yeah. I think he was actually great casting for Bruce Wayne and Batman. Yeah. Uh, I've already spoken five seconds ago about how much I like Batman versus Superman. Yes. Love. And he's a, he's a big part of that. He's mm. a great Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, people are going to readjust their thinking over years to come mm-hmm. and realise just how good he was. Batman as presented in Suicide Squad, I don't like. Uh, Batman letting an 11-year-old girl stand in between him and a gun in an alleyway when mm-hmm. we know what Batman's backstory is because we've seen it in every single fucking Batman film ever since time immemorial is not being faithful to that character in any way. It's... it's hatefully against what makes Batman a character to have that scene in a film that's a DC property yeah he even what makes it even worse is it draws your attention to it because he apologises for arresting dead shot dead shot in front of his daughter so yeah that doesn't really work Mm. he's not very nice who? Batman in this film no like like I say it's a cameo um, but it's certainly not canon in my Mm -hmm. opinion yeah and you know Ben Affleck had to turn up for at least a day to shoot his chin <laughs> to film that scene. And then I think out of focus, it might be a stand-in behind. Cause, yeah. yeah. <laughs> why would you waste Why, why, why would you time? keep Ben around when he's got, you know, uh, struggling actresses to fuck and uh, cigarettes to drink? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Viola Davis is bringing them all together uh, to fight crime. And the idea of that is told to us three times. First of all, she's meeting some other politicians in a restaurant. One of them is David Harbour. Mm-hmm. And um, then she's telling people at a, a Pentagon briefing thing. And then it comes up again at some point. Well, the, the, the idea of it when she actually goes to the prison and starts meeting them all. So we get the idea. We get the idea from the start. What we don't really get and is never fully explained is really how it works. I mean, at some point they stick a little bomb in the necks. Yeah. The old uh, Root Gahorin wedlock system of keeping someone in control. Yeah. Uh, early 90s direct-to-video uh, thriller where Root Gahor's in a prison with a bomb around his neck. Oh. So they can't they can't escape because the bomb will go off. But he's got it around his neck all the time? He's got it around wedlock, yeah. Oh, right, okay. Mm. Well, that sounds great. It's, it's certainly been a solution for screenwriters ever since. How do you make people do something they don't want to do? get a bomb in their brain, in their neck, in their head. Yeah, it's it's a bit cheap and lazy, yeah. the idea. Um, but as well, it means that we're not very committed to mm. the plan, the idea of it. And that's a problem, because the whole film's based on that. It is based on that Dirty Dozen idea, and it, you just never really fully get behind it. It's not helped by the fact that even though they're called the Suicide Squad, they spend a lot of the film 
with loads of soldiers with them. Yeah. So they don't feel like a squad. Um, and it's quite late on in the film. There's, there's, there's a good scene which I enjoyed when they're in a bar and they feel quite down because... Yeah, know, that, realize, that's, that's, that's probably one of the best scenes in the film. Yeah, they, they realise that they're going to get scapegoated for everything that's happened and it's just them and that works. Uh, but then they leave there and then they've got a few soldiers around them again and they just kind of, as quickly as they started to establish their identity, they start to lose it again. Um, but then in the finale, it is just them and I think that's a good idea. It would... I, I don't understand how you could call yeah. a film The Suicide Squad if you if it's them and a bunch of soldiers. Right, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think um, they haven't figured out the concept well enough. Mm-hmm. And I would have had in the film more of The Suicide Squad dying at the end. It actually be a mission where they did have to sacrifice themselves. Um, mm-hmm. One or two do, yeah. but they're, low, they're lower down in the uh, both the DC and the A-list, B-list, C-list of movie star... I would have had, I probably would have had Will Smith die. I would have killed off characters you're probably not going to use again, like Captain Boomerang, Killer Croc, yeah, people like that. Uh, I probably would have just had Harley Quinn, Rick Flag, and Katana standing at the very end, and then you would have had that lovely moment of the survivors emerging heroic, triumphant, rather than everyone standing around and having to have an epilogue again at the end, as if we care about what Killer Croc's up to now. Yeah. Well, I guess the intention was that if you keep everyone alive, you get to bring everyone back for a sequel. That's not going to happen, though. In fact, no. We are getting a sequel to Suicide Squad. Like, specifically a sequel to Suicide Squad. None of the original cast are coming back, apart from Joel Kinnaman as Rick Flagg, as far as I know. Oh, really? Maybe Viola Davis as a... So, it's going to be a whole new group of baddies, including Idris Elba. Okay. But who knows as who. Uh, well, I mean, I'd, certainly after a second watch of this, seeing that it's not quite as bad as I thought... Maybe they'll fix some of the mistakes and, and yeah, they'll be all right. Conceptually, it's a really good idea, but you're right. They shouldn't have uh, an indisposable army of soldiers around them. They should be mm. thrown in as expendables. Uh, the threat should... I mean, let's be honest. Watching the film, uh, the Enchantress has taken over uh, Midway City. Mm-hmm. She's got a big glowing light around her. She's turning civilians into horrible Venom-style yeah, super uh, but once you've uh, laid to waste one squad of those super soldier mm-hmm. bumpy heads, uh, then all the film offers us for our next hour is two more of those battles, which don't yeah. really ever escalate. We know that the Suicide Squad can, in reality, handle these guys now when they come in a wave. Yeah. Uh, so there's no, there's no real threat to the next two sequences. It's just more carnage and kineticism rather than any real set piece that you're fearful for any character yeah um, they make the error as well of you know it's quite often that you'll have the the ultimate baddie and then you'll have someone who's almost as bad mm-hmm. and that will allow for a kind of a penultimate fight before yeah. you destroy the big the big bad here the the second to biggest baddie is in the finale as well yeah so it's kind of like boom, and, boom, it and what's she doing while well, that's going on she's like got magical powers she's creating a big swirly thing in the sky that's not doing any damage as of yet yeah uh and she's just standing there while her brother from uh, times past with magical powers is getting killed by the Suicide Squad. Yeah. And then she decides to chip in afterwards. Um, that CGI creature, Godman, mm-hmm. can pull helicopters out of the sky with his amazing tentacles uh, and the like. Yeah, he can't. He just knocks people on their ass when it's the Suicide Squad fight again. Yeah. Things like that really annoy me that mm-hmm. the stakes aren't established and are not stuck to once you know that someone's got a certain degree of um, leaf lethalness yeah um and i would say it's really sloppy storytelling 
how the the threat and the stakes are set up in the film. Um, far more interesting stuff could be done. And mm. essentially, we have a film where there's a a threat to the entire world that's just waiting around until the very last scene. Yeah. Just waiting for no particular. It's ready to. She's ready to go and start destroying the world an hour and a half before, and the Suicide Squad are slowly walking from one building to another. Uh, getting delayed from going and dealing with the fucking problem. Well, that's it. They kind of explain it by saying... And not sacrificing themselves heroically. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they should do that. Um, the, the, the the amount of time that's spent doing nothing is kind of explained by the fact that Cara Delevingne's character, the Enchantress, doesn't know what matters to humans. She doesn't know what to target. Yeah. So she's kind of waiting around, and then Viola Davis comes in. She tapped into Viola Davis's mind which is a font of information because mm-hmm. she's at the centre of government. Is this your theory or was this a line in the film that I missed? No, I think I think she says, what 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 should I go for, basically? What should I attack? Mm. Um, which, you know, you, you've got all this power just to attack everything. She's taken out the main satellite. Yeah, I mean, uh, that happens... Our only satellite at the Pentagon. <laughs> because, because she taps into Viola Davis' mm. mind. I don't know, that's... Doesn't make sense. That's mm. a bit daft. Plus, Viola Davis is such a wonderful actress and such a great person. <laughs> slumming it. I know. It Absolutely really slumming it. <laughs> I assumed, and I'd forgotten, mm. but in my head I assumed when we were watching this, oh, well, she must be the big bad. Yeah. Because she's playing against type. It's rope doping you by getting Viola Davis in, who is always a very good, moral, likeable person in, yeah. in everything she's in. And it's going to turn out... I mean, it'll be obvious when it's when the twist happens because I can see it coming. But then it never comes. And yeah. that's really surprising. That's more of a twist. Yeah. Maybe I mean, it was supposed to be a double bluff. I don't know. It's a film with three villains. It's got Enchantress, who is your big bad. Yeah. But doesn't actually do much throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Um, then you've got Joker, who is kind of like your side bit of chaos. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Amanda Waller, who's played by Viola Davis, who's mm-hmm. you know, holding the likeable baddies to ransom to deal with the problem. Yeah. Um, and none of them are particularly well utilised. No, I think it's a, a case of, of too many cooks. Yeah. Um, I think the fact that Enchantress is introduced very... She's introduced as being one of the Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Then she very quickly becomes a baddie and and then it kind of goes on from there. It means that quite a lot of time is spent explaining all that. I think if they just started with a villain in place yeah, to cut down on the confusion, you could dispense with that storyline. Yeah. Um, and th- I certainly don't think the film would be any worse for it. I think it would make it a better film. I think it would just be easier to follow. You could accept it more. It's you could explain from- it as like she was the prototype Suicide Squad member... Hmm. And it went wrong, and Bill Davis is trying to correct her mistake. We don't need to see all the workings of that. Yeah, I agree. Anything else you didn't like? Um, um, um I oh, yeah. I mean, Jai Courtney. Are we yeah. going to mention him? I feel bad because it's we've already had an episode of this where we've shot all over him, and I'm sure he's a very nice person, mm. and I feel really bad for just hating him quite so much. But he's just got no charisma at all. And this is a film where you re- you need to have something. Yeah, I mean, f- he's better in this than anything we've seen him in before. But he's got a lot less of the weight to carry the film. He's essentially a mu- an amusing side character. Um, he's not that amusing. He, he's essentially like 
a Charles Bronson or a Bert Huckles or whatever it's from the Magnificent Seven. One of those, you know, Horst Buckholt. Horst Buckholt, thank you very much. He's not, he's not like one of the seven you're most interested in, but he's there to round out the numbers as such. Um, he's all right in this. Um, I think. Did you know Tom Hardy was originally cast in this film? Oh no, no, because no. that would make sense. exactly yeah. it make absolute sense for him to be playing that character. Uh-huh. Tom Hardy's a big comic book fan. He's mo- moved on to make Venom since, and he's obviously Bane in the Dark Knight yeah. Rises. Mm-hmm. But he was going to be Rick Flagg. He was going to be Joel Kinnaman's kind of oh, okay. straight good guy role. Um, oh, and he would have been so much better as Captain Boomerang, and maybe not done as many days of filming as everyone. And yeah. again, and Tom Hardy in in the film rather than third or fourth build in it. Um, and again, could have been one of those characters that maybe, you know, even though he's uh, one of the worst human beings in it, yeah. does the right thing in the end. Yeah, uh, well, one of the jokes about Boomerang's character is that he's, he's meant to be a hard, a hard bastard, yeah. um, but his, his favourite thing is a little pink fuzzy unicorn. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't work for Jai Courtney, because no. Jai Courtney seems like a bit of a soft lad. Whereas <laughs> I mean, he's not, he's not built like a soft, nah, he's a soft lad. <laughs> he's a soft lad. Mm. Um, he, mm. But Tom Hardy with a little pink unicorn, mm. I'd pay to see that. Do you know what my favourite uh, Tom Hardy acting role is? And he's been brilliant in things like Taboo and The Drop and The Revenant and so many other films that uh-huh. we love him in. It's, he did Sky adverts for Sky Mobile or oh, Sky yeah. Broadband, and uh, he's sitting in a cafe thinking about why he can't keep certain things he wants. He pops a little bit of sugar in his pocket, in his mm-hmm. cardie. Love that. Yeah. That's the guy who should be in this fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would work so much better. But that's not, the, like I say, that's the, not the role he pulled out of uh, to be in The Revenant. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk about alternative casting? Yeah. If we go on a break? Yeah, um, so when Hardy pulled out, Originally, uh, the role of um, Rick Flagg. Well, I think Joel Kinnaman does a really good job in. Yeah, he's fine. Um, yeah. He's he's a more interesting uh, action hero than Joe Courtney is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays straight very well. He's been good in things like House of Cards, and there was a yeah. an action thriller released last year called The Informer that not many people saw, but I thought was quite good as well. And he was Robocop in the remake, but obviously that's not the most... Uh, oh. That's not the role that you're going to break out from being Robocop as uh, Peter Wellick and... Um, alternatives to Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Now, I wouldn't cast anyone but Margot Robbie in the role. She absolutely nails it. Yeah. But here are some alternative... Op- I think you're going to like the first one. Oh, yeah, who is it? Emma Roberts. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I could see that. Chose to do Scream Queens. Psychotic. Yeah. yeah. Chose to do Scream Queens instead. Well, good. Yeah. Because it worked out for the best in that case. Imogen Poots. Okay. Alison Brie. Oh, she could have been an interesting yeah. choice. Yeah. yeah, I think she would have got the mania... Maybe even better, but she wouldn't maybe have been as uh, appealing to teenage boys quite as much. Fair enough, yeah. Certainly appeals to me. I know. Uh, Rooney Mara. Ah. Uh, Zoe Dachanel. Zoe. Zoe Dachanel? Yeah. Zoe. Okay. <laughs> smells a bit Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah I can see it. She'd be... She's just a bit too nice, though. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who's, I, I assume, uh-huh. up for any young female action role that ever comes up. Yeah. Um, and then, instead of Leto, and we'll talk about Leto after the break, I think, properly. So, Jared Leto, your options were Matt Smith. <laughs> <laughs> when they were trying to make him a figure in Hollywood. Okay. I like Matt Smith. I think he was a good uh-huh. one, though, but, yeah. Uh, Sholto Copley. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, but, top of their list... Ambitiously, uh-huh. Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Yeah, I mean, if you were casting Joker in a film where he was 
somehow the focus or sharing billing with Batman. Yeah. I still don't think Ryan Gosling's going for it. But no. for him to be romantic interest to the third billed actress in the film. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you've got, got to aim high, haven't you? <laughs> right, let's have a little break and we'll mm-hmm. go through our usual questions, of which there's lots to discuss this yeah. week. Jared Leto mm. as the Joker. Just one word answer. Your favourite Joker performance ever? <laughs> no. No, no, I think we can both agree on that. Uh, Jared Leto, uh, controversial choices to Joker when images were first revealed of him, covered in tats, saying things like, ha, 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 and I'm not very well, mm-hmm. and the like. A lot of people went, this is not for me. Um, but he's, he's in very little of the film. He's in very little of the film in the end, but, it, you know, it's fair to say, like Harlequin, he was a major part of the advertising of the film. Yeah. And he has said since that he um, filmed a lot more scenes for the film. Mm-hmm. Felt like maybe um, the performance he gave and the script he signed up to wasn't what he um, what got given to the public yeah. since then. And he's not returned to the role or shown any particular interest in returning to the role. And yeah. I think it's fair to say most of us aren't particularly interested in him. He did throw himself into playing the Joker, which is what I well, want to talk about. I suppose with a character like that, you have to have your own take on it. Yeah. And you're laughing, mm-hmm. but, you know, you have to stand up for him for that. At okay. least he's not... It wasn't terrible. It, it was very different. I would say J, uh, Jared Leto is in the same kind of rankings and movie actors I care about as Jai Courtney in that very pretty in my so-called life he's beautiful uh, lovely seeing his face smashed in during Fight Club mm-hmm. I think David Fincher knew exactly what he <laughs> from a Jared Letter performance yeah. um, and then he's just had a very steady career while probably apart from women of a certain age liking the fact that he somehow has managed to keep his angelic looks yeah. Years. Oh, there's a painting in an attic somewhere of him that is just <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> um, but for the Joker, he um, went around the streets of New York and Toronto practicing different laughs. Okay. Uh, the laugh's interesting because it reminded me very much of another performance. Which one's that? That would be Adam Sandler in Sandy Wexler. <laughs> 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 Cast Adam Sandler as the Joker. Oh, I'd love Adam Sandler as the Joker. I think that would actually be really fun. Oh, it would be fun. I Working class Joker. Robert, yeah, yeah. Um, oh. He um, was. He shaved his entire body apart from his hair on his head. Yeah. Um, but his eyebrows down. Mm-hmm. Completely bald as a coot. Commitment. Um, he was known for sending unusual presents to other cast members. Okay. Uh, he sent a live rat to Margot. A live rat? Which he kept and called Rat Rat. Oh, oh uh, like a pet rat? Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Will Smith got bullets. Okay, because of his character. Probably because of his character. That's so, nice. yeah, it's a thoughtful gift. Yeah. It's not a body shop purchase. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the actor who plays Killer Croc, who has a name, but I'm not even going to... Yeah. I love him. Whenever he's in films, I really enjoy him. Whenever he's in TV shows, I really enjoy him. But I'm not going to sully the man by attempting to say that many syllables correctly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, he got sent a soiled Playboy magazine. Oh. Which I think is, you know, you could sue. Yeah, that's strange. Mm. And other cast and crew members got sent things like 
dead hogs, anal beads, and condoms. Is it was he in character then? He, he was, was like method. He was, he was proper jokes. Daniel Day Lewis without the talent method. Okay. <laughs> proper He's... Bobby De Niro without the talent method. Right. Without the talent. Without the talent. Without the talent. Oh. I know he's won an Oscar. Yeah. But I think that's mainly for shaving his entire body. Again, for uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Oh, yeah. If you need a guy who needs to look beautiful and is completely shaved mm-hmm. from uh, sideburns down, mm-hmm. Jared Letter's your man. If you want a performer you can like or believe the performance of, uh, who can sell a story, mm. Jared Leto is the worst actor to ever play the Joker. Right. Yeah. Just throwing well, it right out there. Yeah. I mean, you're literally talking about a Parthenon of great actors. Nicholson, Ledger, Phoenix, Romero. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Hamill. Okay, all right. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say and then, the fifth best Joker, but then... All the way down. All Joker. the way down. Basement level. Crust. Magma. Core. The Earth. Where all the dinosaurs still live, according mm-hmm. to Conan Doyle. That's where Leto's performance is, in my opinion. Right. And in terms of casting as well. Okay. Any other year this film was made, Leto would not be cast as Joker. He didn't watch Heath Ledger's performance. He didn't want him influencing him. Fair enough. He probably fucking should. Well, yeah, but then you've got that creeping in of you, you end up mimicking another... Because you have to make it your own. Mm. He did make it his own. He's not like he any other Joker. <laughs> yeah, but at least it's unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't quite hate it quite as much as me? No, I didn't I didn't hate it. You and McGregor in Birds of Prey as the Black Mask, whatever Roman uh, gangster mm-hmm. character, is a more unsettling, unpredictable presence in that role than Leto is as Joker in this. Yeah. Yeah. I think if there was more of him in the film, if he if he was one of the main characters, it would great and it it, it would be something that you'd really hate about it. But the bits that he's in it, the few bits that he's in it, I didn't mind. I really didn't. Okay. Wasn't a Joker film. Yeah. He was a peripheral character. Well, yeah, but I mean, should the Joker be a peripheral character in any film? Well, in this, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could have the Joker like a Hannibal Lecter style figure who turns up for like a couple of scenes and absolutely steals the show. Mm-hmm. But this is way too busy for serious stealing, especially when one of your leads is stealing the show. Margot Robbie is stealing the show the entire Okay, so do you think it would have been better to completely dispense with the Joker character or to have a different actor in that? I, I think someone like, and I say him a lot during this podcast, but someone of the, of the talent and stature of DiCaprio or Brad Pitt in one scene. Mm. It's not that kind of film, though. Mm. So... I, you, the, the scene that the, the Margot Robbie has a whole side plot where she snuck a phone by a guard who's under the Joker's in the Joker's pocket mm-hmm. and he keeps saying text guy, I'm coming, I'm coming, get ready, be mm-hmm. ready to go. Imagine if that was the build up for the Joker, you're thinking, the fuck the fucking Joker's coming and you have no idea what he's gonna be like and no idea who's playing him. And then in one scene it's fucking DiCaprio, green hair, white face paint. Yeah, but that was never gonna happen. So you have to make you have to make that decision as to whether you're gonna have a second rate actor being in it or not at all and they I went think, think we need to we need to talk about rates <laughs> this is not a second rate actor this is not a third rate oh, actor this, all right. this is someone who's had a very lucky Hollywood career because of his good looks he's not awful in the stuff that he's in mm. he's, he's not mm. Mm. would you have voted for him the year he won his Oscar I can't remember who he was up against four better people <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, probably not. Um, but I think in this film, he the way he plays the character, I think it 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 suits the film. Okay, let's go into our regular questions then. Mm-hmm. Now that we've dealt with the letter issue, yeah, um, stinking out the room. Yeah, you love um, you love him in my so-called life. I don't not love them in my so-called life. She can do so much better. What, Brian? No, none of the characters in the, in the program. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> I mean, if they introduce one more male character, he's going to be more interesting than Jared Leto, Brian Gunnarsson, whoever plays him, mm. or uh, you know, poor, poor bisexual Ricky. Why didn't bisexual Ricky throw something into her? Sorry, we've gone off on a tangent. If you haven't watched uh, Midnight's uh, one series TV show, my series, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be very boring. If you came purely for Suicide Squad, we've, we've yeah. gone off on tangent. Right. Who was, and there's going to be a lot of candidates for this one, the John Turturro of the film. Who was doing brilliant work throughout when all was going wrong in the film? There's the obvious answer. The She's obvious. the star of the show. Yeah. So let's, let's, take, let's take Robbie and Smith off the table. Anyone else is in the support role? I would go for... Uh, I'd go for Jay Hernandez in that case. Because he makes so much of that role mm. with relatively little. Yeah, it's a thinly sketched role. Yeah. It goes for an obvious art, but he's very good in it. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know if I'd have him as my John Turturro of the film. So who would you go for? It'd toss up between Viola Davis, who's mm-hmm. just a brilliant actress and uh, doesn't deserve to be in the film. Yeah, but everyone's got rent to pay. I understand it. Um, yeah. It, and if Warner Brothers ever actually stuck to a plan with DC... EU, mm-hmm. then maybe she would be in more films after that. But yeah. They never do. Um, I her is the obvious choice, mm-hmm. or I I think Joel Kinnaman did a lot with a little Rick Flag. Uh, it, it's a role that could easily be overpowered. You could have given it to Jay Courtney, and you wouldn't even remember he was being in the film if he was in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think he he did solid hero work, a nice little bit of romance. Um, Probably needed another rewrite on his character, but he brought more than the role gave him as well. He does do well. The character I didn't care for so much. I found that quite confusing because he, he starts off as one thing and, and he turns into something else and it's not really like a change of character yeah. or that he learns anything about himself. It's like they just decide to go kind of a different way. Mm. Um, but he do, he does do a really good performance. Mm. Um, you don't really like him because he has to be... He's an antagonist of the Suicide Squad who I suppose you're, yeah. you're on their side, but he's not... He's not their enemy. Yeah. So he provides a bit of a kind of, um, you know, something that they can get behind. They they kind of join together yeah. against him, and that works really well. So yeah, I think he does he does do a good job. I think if you could stand out in a film that's so busy with characters, mm-hmm. there's probably thirty speaking parts by people who you recognise from something else. Yeah. Uh, and seven of those have magical powers and their own branding. Mm-hmm you've done quite a good job is what I'd say yeah yeah um okay product placement didn't I know you didn't see anything no okay two apart from obviously Suicide Squad branded merchandise I mean Harley Quinn's outfit is a bestseller now yeah just throwing it out there Probably available in different sizes <laughs> yeah but it really shouldn't be yeah, probably <laughs> child sizes to normal women yeah <laughs> Just throwing it out there. But uh, during the big final battle, there was uh, posters from Monsters Energy Drinks. Oh, is that what um, Jay Courtney's drinking all the way through it? No, I think he's drinking a beer can. 
Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, non, non-specific brand beer. Mm. Uh, because obviously when they make these things, they're not sure whether they're going to be family-friendly or not. Mm-hmm. I would have lent harder into the R rating if you're going to have it. Um, and also, like FaceTime or Skype. A lot of the stories told via FaceTime or Skype. Like, a lot of scenes where a character holds up an iPad and says, have a look at this, what this person's got to say, I'll show you. Okay. So, like, kind of in times of meta-human crisis mm. and potentially apocalyptic magical events good to know that you can communicate a lot of exposition via the old uh, ipad yeah 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 i mean i suppose that's because uh the enchantress doesn't know about she hasn't figured that putting out, out the old mm, yeah. internet signals mm-hmm. well, she, yeah okay who would you cast mm. james spader as in this film oh spader 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 um Well, he's, it's hard to say. Like, he's not hes not a Suicide Squad member. No? No. Mm. I'd, I'd, he'd need to be something in his own right. You wouldn't have him as the Joker? No, I wouldn't have him as the Joker. I would put makeup all over his lovely face. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, see, I don't, I don't really mean this because I, I love Viola Davis and I like the fact that she is in this film. And that and character in the woman. comics is, is a black woman. Right, great, okay. That's that, yeah. But she is playing James Spader. Like, okay. you know, she's playing a creep. Yeah. But a lovable creep. Mm. So, you know, if Viola wasn't available, I'd put in Spader. Playing a black woman. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got range. He's got range. Uh, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> if you can make one change to the film, one... One. One change... That you think would improve it. I remember this is a very successful film, apart from its reputation among the outspoken minority who don't like it. Yeah. What would that change? Um, I've already mentioned it, but I'll just very quickly reiterate it. I would have the villain being in place at the beginning or be much less complicated in terms of who that is, because it would allow more time for the Suicide Squad itself to become what it is and and an entity um and it would alleviate a lot of the confusion which i think distracts from you being able to really enjoy the film because you're trying to work out what's going on i think that would be genuinely a great change i i would guess there is an edit sitting on uh, a a floppy disk somewhere that maybe has the enchantress being set out the villain a more obvious villain throughout yeah because she's a good villain apart from the actress playing her yeah, Cara Delevingne's growing on me, though. I mean, she's not the best actress in the world, but she looks great mm. whenever she's in anything. She, she's she got the look. Okay. In this, the Enchantress doesn't she looks a little bit, to act that well. She looks a little bit too young to be playing uh, a doctor. She's an archaeologist doctor, not a proper doctor. Okay. I'm just going right. um, to... Fair enough. I, I it's, it's what I say pretty much with all of these messy, muddy superhero films we've covered so far, and we do cover a lot of them, because DC's very hated by... A certain group of people and gives it a low rating yeah less characters uh a slightly more relaxed editing style yeah um just make it less busy as i know that seems like a lot of different things mm-hmm. but it's less introductions there's been too many uh fixes done on the film in post-production mm-hmm. that it doesn't flow and the film's at its best when it is just five or six characters sitting around the bar being anti-heroes mm-hmm. or anti-villains even and having a chat and being good actors 
playing interesting characters with yeah. a bit of humour about themselves, mm-hmm. and it looks great. There's, there's a there's a much better film. If you look at how simple Magnificent Seven or Dirty Dozen are, yeah, that's all this film needed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, just good, solid storytelling, really fun anti-hero characters, yeah, um, and it drops the ball on that. Yes, and it is a shame. Um, would you remake Suicide Squad? Yeah. It seems weird for four years after it's been released, but yeah, I I think it's it's kind of inevitable that it probably will be. I but suppose they're doing a sequel, not a remake. I believe Margot Robbie is actually back for the sequel as well. Oh, okay, just on the break, I had a little look into that. Um, so it needs there needs to be a little bit of of time elapsing, but it's in the nature of this kind of film, hmm. the, this the, the comic book films that they do get remade, and you can do your own thing with it. Um, it's going to be directed by um, James Gunn who did the Guardians of the Galaxy films oh. who again might just have a better fix on quirky team of losers yeah because Guardians of the Galaxy as well similar it, vibe it, yeah it doesn't bother me it, it's not got the problem that certain other problems Guardians of the Galaxy have. is a great film yeah, the first one is a genuinely great film yeah um, so yeah I think it, it, it I mean remake it as a, like, I think there should be another Suicide Squad film, mm. whether it's a sequel or a remake. Just not this plot. Like, yeah. just, just do the, just do a new thing with it. Like you say, stick to the more kind of the Dirty Dozen, Magnificent Seven. Focus on it as a group, an ensemble of people, and it could be great. Sure. Okay. Uh, just before we get to worse or better than bad boys, I've got one last question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, allegedly, according to the trivia, and I think the thing is, we've released this big where you've got so many actors having to say interesting things during interviews, there's a certain degree of fibbing and hype that happens during the promotional tour yeah. of you know, Jared Leto's behaviour might have been overemphasized right. during the production to, yeah, this, this joke is badass, the actor's like become fucking crazy playing him. Uh-huh. Um, allegedly, most of the cast, including Will Smith, got a tattoo that said SKWAD squad on it, much like the Lord of the Ring Fellowships guys who worked together for four years yeah. on probably one of the... Uh, the greatest achievements in blockbuster cinema ever. Uh-huh. I'm not saying the best blockbuster franchise ever, but the greatest achievement in terms of what they Peter Jackson and those actors managed to do over four years is is a brilliant achievement. Yeah. Uh, these guys, after six months making Suicide Squad, decided to get tattoos as well. Right. Same squad. Um, do you think Jada Pinkett Smith was happy about that when Will Smith came home with a tattoo? <laughs> 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 she doesn't seem like the most easygoing of wives. Maybe he's got it somewhere discreet and he just ain't seen it. <laughs> um, that is between him and his good lady wife and I wouldn't like to speculate. What if I came back one day with uh, WTBB on that tattooed on me for the worst of bad boys on my forehead next to my ha-ha tattoo? Uh, I wouldn't be happy. You wouldn't be happy? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Suicide Squad. Yeah. Worse or better than Bad Boys? I enjoyed it more, so I'm going to say it's better. Better than Will Smith's Bad Boys. Boys, Will Smith's Suicide Squad. Yeah. Yeah. Which of my favourite of these two Will Smith films, I would pick Suicide Squad. I'd say they're on a par. I'm not willing to fall either way Mm -hmm. on it. Yeah. Mm. Because this has got Will Smith in it and it doesn't have Martin Lawrence in it, so surely that It does have Jai Courtney and Jared Leto in it. John Courtney in his best performance, he said. Bad Boys is Martin Lawrence's best performance. It certainly ain't Big Mama's House free. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll leave Jared Leto alone. He's 
beautiful. <laughs> just punch his face to nothing. You Someone be... hasn't got good <laughs> <no teeth. laughs> um, Okay, so that's us all done. Yeah. Uh, next week, what film are we doing, Natalie? We're doing striptease. <laughs> How can we possibly do striptease? We don't have it in the home. Um, it turns out that we do have it. My dad didn't borrow it. He borrowed Betty Page. Notorious Betty Page is the uh, nudie film yeah that so borrowed from us. i'm sorry dad <laughs> <laughs> les if you're listening your daughter is sorry all it took was her to look in the crime section of our dvd collection and she would have found striptease yeah i, I don't know what sections which <laughs> join us next week for striptease i've been bobby and this is my wife natalie thank you very much thank you